when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society. Over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. Frederick Bastiat. That is a famous quote that only seems to be becoming more and more true uh, by the day. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the FTX collapse. I know you're probably tired of hearing about it by now. Uh, This is coming to you about six weeks late. I wanted to make sure that I had all the information possible going into this, and there's been so many new things, so many new developments uh, every every day, every week. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of what happened because so many other people have covered it uh, very well, very much in depth. I would recommend two YouTubers, one named Dan Friedman and one named Mark Moss, if you want to really get into the full details far beyond what I'm going to go into today. They've both made a couple of really great videos, and in just about an hour total, you could really dive deep into every little thing that's happened and all the crazy connections and really weird things that have been going on, how a lot of this uh, just doesn't add up and the mainstream story that we're being told is clearly not uh, the whole story. But this is the biggest fraud in history without without question. And I wanted to separate little fact from fiction because and there's a lot of questions, is there some bigger kind of conspiracy behind this? I think clearly uh, there is, but it's just a question of how big is it? How high up does it go? I mean, the SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, is facing multiple charges of conspiracy. He's been indicted on conspiracy to commit fraud, conspiracy of, you know, money laundering, wire fraud, all these, I don't even know the exact details, but there are multiple conspiracy charges. So there's no question there was some kind of conspiracy. Uh, again, it's just a question of how how big does it go? Was this an intended thing from the beginning, and is this guy, SBF, really just the fall guy? Is he just a patsy sort of being used as a scapegoat? And given recent events, I think that's highly likely. It sure seems like he somehow manages to keep evading the law. I mean, he got arrested. He went a month, four or five weeks on house arrest in the Bahamas. Then all of a sudden, the day before he's supposed to testify uh, to Congress, then all of a sudden he gets arrested and he can't testify. And then he's in jail for a little bit. And now all of a sudden he's out on a $250 million bond, which his parents somehow paid. His parents, who are just just lawyers, they're just average uh, Stanford, I think they're regulatory financial lawyers, actually. Another interesting, weird piece of the puzzle. And they somehow managed to get, you know, a bond is typically, I think, 10% of the total that you have to pay to get a person out. So they came up with $25 million, presumably. Again, I don't have all the, the full details on that. It's a whole other story. So somehow he gets out on that, and now he's living with his parents. He just keeps evading the consequences of what he did over and over again. Uh, but I wanted to backtrack really quickly to uh, the Luna collapse of in May of last year. So that was about seven months ago. The UST stablecoin collapsed, and Luna, the sister token, with it. And that was huge. I think 60 or $70 billion, just poof, just gone overnight practically. And it was a big deal. It led to you know some contagion. Other companies like Three Arrows uh, Capital and some centralized lenders started to go under at that time. Celsius, BlockFi, Vault. 
uh, and that was huge. That was in, ter- in just nominal dollar terms. Uh, that was much bigger than FTX. And yet it didn't really get the same amount of media coverage. It, it wasn't made to be such a big deal. So that's one of many questions we can ask here is why is this being portrayed in the media in such a different light? Why is SBF being given this preferential treatment by the legal system and by the media? And there was, back in May or June, there was this idea floating around the internet that the UST collapse was some kind of conspiracy by the banks and hedge funds. They did some shady stuff to to make the stablecoin lose its peg and, and go to zero. And there was really no basis for that. There was no evidence ever uh, provided, and it doesn't look like uh, that was the case at all. Here, with this FTX thing, totally different story. There's a lot of evidence in all kinds of ways, so much so that I can't even document it all because it would just take way too long. But again, check out Dan Friedman and Mark Moss on YouTube if you want to get into all the details. They went into all kinds of stuff. We really have to hand it to them for uh, taking the, the time and the work to put together uh, all of those pieces, and it clearly becomes evident that there's something much more going on here. Like, this is not just one guy who screwed things up and funneled money to his hedge fund because he was greedy or whatever. This was clearly some kind of coordinated uh, collapse to usher in more regulation for crypto and make people lose trust in, in make people lose faith in uh, the technology overall. There's a really good political cartoon about this whole thing by uh, Ben Garrison. If you look it up, I highly recommend it, and it shows SBF coming out of a sewer with all these other characters crawling out of smaller sewers like uh, Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum uh, a few others and then the it shows where all the money went because this guy made SBF he made huge donations <clears throat> to uh, political parties to World Economic Forum to all these huge powerful organizations and you have to ask the question why does that have something to do with how he's skirting the law now? I mean, Do Kwan, the founder of UST and Luna, he wasn't involved in anything like that. He's still on the run, apparently. And that's what you would expect, right? If you just orchestrated some massive fraud, what would it make sense for you to do? Go into hiding, avoid publicity as much as possible, or do what SBF has done and just go on all these Twitter spaces, all these mainstream news interviews, and just try to make it look like you're the victim here somehow and you did nothing wrong and it it just doesn't a whole lot of things don't really add up but so really briefly just to cover what happened even though if you're watching this you're probably already aware so FTX was funneling money to its hedge fund Alameda Research they were doing this through the FTT token proof of stake token that was run by the exchange it's just a coin that they can print out of thin air to infinity and they were able to manipulate the price upwards and then use that as collateral to take out loans for dollars and then do whatever they wanted with it. it they were also using uh, customer funds as a kind of piggy bank they were just pulling it together and doing whatever with it 
And so people, there's another interesting thing is people who bought Bitcoin on FTX weren't actually buying Bitcoin. The deposit was going in and it was showing a balance, but really those dollars were being used for something else at SBF's discretion, presumably. And so this last bull run last year likely would have gone somewhat higher because a lot of that demand wound up being soaked up and just vaporized effectively. If it had actually been going into real Bitcoin, things would have been different. Uh, what else here? Oh yeah, there's a really interesting... Oh wait, I didn't finish. The Then what started the whole collapse was Binance announced they were going to sell about half a billion dollars worth of FTT token. And then that caused the price to tank dramatically. So the loans that FTX had based on its FTT token all got margin called. They had to sell the, the collateral. They didn't. They couldn't cover their liabilities. And then everything just went under from there. One really interesting thing about this that you're probably not going to hear about anywhere else is this video that came out back in on April 5th, 2002 by a channel, a YouTube channel called Inspired. I'm not sure if it's even still on YouTube. I'm looking at it on some site called inspired.locals.com. They created this backup little community apparently because they knew or they suspected they might uh, not be allowed on the big social media platforms at some point in the future. And it's all about, and this is a little little crazy, uh, a little out there, but I figured why not cover this because it's, it's really interesting. And like I said, you probably haven't heard of it before. It's all about this alleged group out there called uh, Guardians of the Looking Glass who claim to have some technology, I know, get, re- get ready for this, claim to have some technology that allows them to potentially, to see into potential futures and what certain timelines could hold and I really didn't think of it as anything more than an interesting idea at the time and there's a bunch of different stuff uh, covered in this this episode, this video they have but what what really caught my attention was at one point the, the guy who claims to be in touch with this group mentions Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as being crucial to the future of the world and humanity and for freedom as we know it and saying that the technology plays a role in whether or not people in power are successful in consolidating and holding on to their power which could be detrimental to the freedom and rights and prosperity of the rest of us and so I immediately as soon as I heard of this FTX collapse and how shady it all was and the oddity of how it's being portrayed in the media and everything and how it's just immediately facilitated calls for greater regulatory crackdowns and all these hit pieces claiming uh, Bitcoin and crypto is dead and obviously this means we can't trust it. It just immediately made me think uh, of this and, and just realize, hey, you know, that makes a lot of sense. If it really is uh, crucial to the future of humanity that this technology, and I do believe Bitcoin could benefit humanity massively if it continues to stay decentralized and continues to grow at the rate it has because it allows people for the first time in history to uh, be their own bank, to control their own money, to have unconfiscatable wealth that cannot be debased by a central bank and clearly <clears throat> people who run and own the central banks do not like that and would very much prefer for Bitcoin to go away 
but there's no real way they can do that. The only way that would be possible would be to orchestrate something like the FTX collapse. And if you look at the fact that a huge amount of global investment capital happened to be in FTX, that's a fact. You can look that up. Something like 10%, it adds up to about 10% of global investment capital Capital was invested in uh, in FTX. And as if those hedge funds and VC funds didn't know, venture capital funds didn't know any better. <clears throat> no, I don't think so. There's clearly something fishy going on there. But So that's another thing this inspired channel uh, the looking glass I write if you want to know more look up that that video look up Dan Friedman look up Mark Moss and you'll have a much better understanding of everything that's happened uh, but overall the bottom line here is the importance of self-custody of holding Bitcoin holding your own private keys and have a four-year or more time frame I've said this all before I'll say it again uh, don't you know if you want to speculate in garbage coins then go ahead and do so but don't do it with you know more than five percent of whatever you're willing to to risk in bitcoin this is not financial advice i'm not a financial advisor nothing i say here can be taken as investment advice do your own research and take risks according to your own tolerance but there's really nothing more important at this point in time in my opinion than for people to uh, average into bitcoin hold portion of their wealth in it at least and hold their own private keys because that's really the only way you can stay sovereign and make sure that you'd be protected from this kind of collapse i mean you know bitcoin maximalists i i have a blog post coming out soon about this how bitcoin maximalists have been proven right because they've been telling you for a long time just hold bitcoin hold your own private keys and you won't be subject to all this this craziness this chaos uh, that we've seen in altcoin markets and if you had done that, you wouldn't have fallen victim to these things like all the people who lost so much money in Luna UST, in FTX, in Vault, Celsius, BlockFi. Uh, you, know, you don't have to subject yourself uh, to those risks unnecessarily if you just hold your own private keys and just hold Bitcoin. Uh, and that's really it. So thanks for listening uh, to this episode. I'll come with a new one. Uh, every month i know the schedule a little messed up this one took about six weeks but that that's the plan is to have one podcast episode a month so if you want to learn more about me and my freelance writing services check out bdncontent.com you can see my my portfolio my blog and uh, contact me through email i'll see you next time